Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthy for Life podcast where we will be discussing maintainable, sustainable, conscious living. I'm your host, Sarah Grace. Thanks for joining me. Hello everyone and welcome back to a new episode of Healthy for Life. I am so glad that you have joined me this week and I am super excited to get into our show and introduce you to my special guest this week. So I have Erin Elizabeth with me and she is otherwise known as the health nut. She is a journalist and she is pretty well known in the health space. She has a really great following and an incredible story that I can't wait to kind of dive deeper into with her and really hear all uh, that she's gone through and what she's come through and learned from. So um, I'm going to get her on here in a minute and we are going to chat. All right, Erin, thanks so much for joining me today. Go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Um, well, I've had the site about six and a half years, and when I had started HealthNet News, I thought that it was it was intended to be a little more lighthearted <laughs> than, than it turned out, um, and I just thought that I might want to do more healthy recipes and kind of share my story with Lyme and uh, you know, overcoming Lyme and, and make it a little bit more lighthearted, but quickly became more serious, I think, just with so much controversial subject matter and uh, investigating different stories and just kind of amazed and appalled at the same time about the mainstream news, what they were or were not reporting on and the information they would be hiding. And it, I thought, man, I don't really have, you know, I've, I've done blogging for some time, but I don't have a ton of experience of this, but it's not this hard to be sharing this information that no one else is. And uh, it, we were, you know, fortunate that it grew quickly since, uh, I guess, just just about six and a half years ago, about, uh, I guess, six years and five months. So um, it, I have been very fortunate to lecture, do a lot of lecturing around the country and a little bit outside the U.S. And really, we just have a great team, mainly in the U.S., um, that we've kept on even during the pandemic, haven't cut anybody's hours. They're all still full time and uh, just bringing the news seven days a week and uh, getting information out to the people, especially during this time where people have so many questions. And, right, yeah. and so that's, that's a little bit about the, the site, I guess, immediately I go into the, the website, not about, about me, but um, yeah, it's interesting how that works. But I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I have, um, it is, I, I guess it was diagnosed in every, a lot of things happened in 2012. I had, had my, well, May of 2012, which is exactly eight years ago, I had saline implants removed. And I don't judge those who may have them now or have had them and had them out. But just for me, I was so sensitive um, that I just felt little, just over eight years ago, maybe eight, eight years in a week, um, I had the saline implants um, it had an explant that was almost six hours long in Atlanta. And just around that same time, and I was hospitalized after had a bad reaction to the, um, to the propofil, which is like what killed Michael Jackson, what they had me on six hours, although they did a good job. Um, they, it was, it's a long process to get them removed, uh, right. correctly. So, and to do a total end block and all that. So, um, I did put out a, a book that I still give away for free kind of on my experience. And, um, then kind of began began my journey because I was about the same time at that maybe within a month or two um, diagnosed with Lyme just before after I guess the procedure and um, then kind of began my healing journey just from the explantation explants and then also from uh, the the Lyme Western blot um, positive test and finding out my healing journey and, and realizing that really I remember when I had gone to this clinic out in uh, Texas and talking with the one of the people who kind of helped run the clinic who had been a Lyme patient herself. And I said, oh, I can't wait. I'm almost done and just be glad to go back to everything, go back to normal. And she said, well, even though I ate healthy, she said, it's kind of a lifelong maintenance. And I learned that very quickly. It's not like you can just go through um, a protocol and, you know, I'm healed and all better and there's no more worries ever. And I'll just, you know, I could just go eat just go eat or do whatever I want. Right. It's still, still maintenance. And, uh, and that's really, and I have, and I have had suffered from, um, chronic fatigue also 
Okay. I'm adopted, so didn't know that I had uh, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And uh, when I was diagnosed as a collagen connectivity disorder, so I'm pretty tall, 5'10", kind of lanky build. And uh, that kind of those are some of the trademarks, but they didn't realize it growing up when I'd had issues. So we realized that was kind of, I guess, compounded with the with Lyme. So I only found that out maybe two, just over two years ago. If we go back a little bit, um, so you said you were adopted and tell, tell everybody a little bit about that story around that. And then I'm going to kind of move up a timeline from there, but Sure, sure. Tell us a little bit about your birth mother and, and what she yeah, chose to do. I, I'm, um, so I am adopted. And uh, so 1970, almost will be 50 years ago in September, um, they, she'd gotten pregnant right around the holidays, Christmas or January with my uh, birth father, who she was dating at the time. And um, he was definitely not there for her. He's from a, um, you know, kind of a well-known political family lives in, you know, now in Washington, DC. And so he um, just was not supportive of her and had, she was younger, but I mean, her early 20s. So he sent her, uh, they met in grad, they were in graduate school. So he sent her to um, Mexico City, where she'd had um, a procedure there with medical doctors and everything to to have a, um, to have a terminate the pregnancy, have an abortion. And uh, then she found out she was pregnant, let's say the first January 1st, that was maybe February, March, and then whatever date um, April was that she had returned back to the United States, she found out she was still pregnant. So um, I remember, she, well, she's, she writes about it in her own books, but on Easter Sunday, um, she found out she was still pregnant and then realized that was kind of a sign and that, you know, this was meant to be, that she would have this baby. Uh, but my biological father was not supportive. Supportive. He was not um, was not there for her, which he admitted. I met him then years later in D.C. Um, but when I found so she she was just unfortunately kind of all alone and hadn't told her family and was able to hide it. And then I was born kind of hide during the summer when she was showing a lot. And I was born in September. So um, she then decided that the best thing to do was to to have to have me, but she didn't really tell her family and, um, to, to place me for, uh, adoption after the procedure, uh, did, did not, did not work. So I was born pretty, um, pretty sickly, uh, but you know, in one piece that's good. And then, um, was in an adoption agency for several months where then my parents adopted me and I may have been double vaccinated. We'll never be quite sure because of just record keeping. But um, my folks then took me in, born in Chicago, took me in basically January after they adopted me, cold winter. I had a bad cold and took me to be vaccinated where I got encephalitis from um, the D, well now DTP or diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, or now known as would be DTAP or so. Um, you know, my folks didn't, and my folks didn't know. Yeah. They, they, I mean, back then, the, well, the doctors tried to tell them it was a coincidence, but I think my mom, even though she was a, fir- my mom who adopted me is a first time mother, um, was unable to have kids and, and was with my dad, a first time father. And so she's there getting me the vaccines. And then I was, was hospitalized. Um, they had to do a spinal tap. Um, my fever was one Oh four. I was very, very sick. The priest is called in, but they, you know, I think even though my mom, even though they told her that, even then she's a first time mother and just gotten this new baby in her heart, she even knew that this was, uh, this was not a coincidence that it was obviously from the, the shot, you know, shots that I just had at least that one. Um, so then, um, so fast forward then, I mean, I did get better, but had been, you know, it'd been sick as a kid on and off, just not the, the energy as other kids. And then they would think I'd have, because I was tall, I was just having growing pains. But at age 20, I did, um, find a, was searching for my birth mother and I wanted my parents permission. You could be 21 in Illinois or have your parents tw- permission. So I thought that was, I did the latter, which was, um, a lot of work. I if it had been 21, it'd be easier, but they helped do all the paperwork. And my dad spelled out her name because he'd seen it on the papers, his brother had showed him when he was the attorney. And, and I, he said, Oh, I remember it was how, how it was spelled. So I immediately, now that we had the correct spelling, went out to the library and found a book that she had, um, 
written about giving me for adoption and uh, that was dedicated to her firstborn, which um, was me and her only child. She was unable to have other children ever. So um, that was, I was it. So yeah, it was, um, you know, and I think you, my, you are truly a miracle. <laughs> yeah. And I thank think you, that, you. yeah, you are, I mean, we're all life is, is a miracle, but the fact that you're here with us today is incredible and that you're doing, you're making such an impact and you're doing what you're doing to help other people and bring information to people that, that empowers them. You know, mm-hmm. at what point did you really start to, to feel a draw in that direction and to, I mean, cause obviously you were struggling with your health. Personally. Yeah. Is that what mm-hmm. kind of led you to where you are now and the knowledge that you have? I think, I think that was, um, a, you know, that was definitely a part of it because I, um, it, I got into doing, well, how I met Joe, who we've been together 11 years or Dr. Mercola, what happened was I, I started health retreats. I got really into kind of the raw food movement in the earlier 2000s. So I actually had, of all things, and I don't even think I talk about this in the book or anywhere, but I had an ice skating accident. They brought me into Cedars. I lived in California at Cedar sinai and they did, um, you know, ice skating, there was, yeah, so I'm, there's, you're not going to get tetanus, but they did a, they did a tetanus, a deep, they did another detap shot. And I was in my later twenties and, um, I just was very, very sick after that. And even then it took me years to put that together that, wow, I just had the shot. I kept thinking it was the accident that made me sick, but it wasn't that bad of an ice skating accident. I just was out there trying to do some Tanya Harding moves or something. And it was, yeah, it was bad. So I fell and was in, of course there's ice. So it's a lot of blood. It looks bad. So they took me to emergency and, um, you know, wanted to, they thought, oh gosh, you could get tetanus. And I think then after that, when I I was starting to get better because I was eating healthy, eating organic out in California and trying to do the right things. But then I got so sick that I kind of uh, got into the kind of the raw food movement. I left California not not long after 9-11, very, you know, very early 2000s. And then, um, was back on the in back east and started getting into that whole raw food movement. Started a raw food retreat center wh- that I had for several years, and um, I think that's what really um, just catapulted things. Learning so many things, not just once you get around all these folks. When I was bringing in chefs and guest speakers from different countries, or just even from the U.S., and that you know, I learned so much beyond raw food. Just about really then in the early 2000s, gosh, it was almost 20 years ago, basically now, which doesn't feel like it, but got into, um, got really into the holistic world. And I'd had a chiropractor who also had a whole other three-year degree in acupuncture when I lived in California. But I think just running those retreats for so many years, I learned so much, not only from the speakers or the chefs that we would bring in or the experts and doctors, but just from the, um, the people who would come from around the the country or even Canada to, to go to the, the retreats that we ran. And, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of thought, Oh, I'm just going to run these and it'll be, you know, I, I had this whole idea, but it was so different than I thought it would be. I learned, um, I learned so much and that's kind of what became the journey. And then after I met uh, Joe through the retreats, um, because, uh, we've been together 11 years. He, I guess I'm able to, to manifest these things. He, um, had gotten somehow heard about a retreat, got an invite or something to go. And he wrote me and said, thank you. I thought, you know, I'd followed Joe for a number of years and said, thank you. I'm unable, you know, his doctor is from Dr. Mercola. I'm thinking, what is this? He says, well, I'm, I'm unable to make it. Thank you to your retreat next month. But, um, I noticed your website and I have a little experience, he said, in health and, um, you know, technology. And I'm thinking, okay. And he said, so I'd love to help you with your website. So I can't make it, but think of it as an early birthday present. It was, um, it was September, it was just early September. So, um, I thought it was a joke at first, but anyway, so then we, we kind of met and the rest is history and unbeknownst to him, I'd followed him for years. And, uh, just weeks, a few weeks earlier, my aunt had posted something and I'd said, Annalisa, I love Dr. Mercola. He's also from Chicago. Like me, I I really hope to meet him one day. So, you know, it was like this 
manifestation of always wanting to meet my birth father. I mean, my birth mother, sorry, my birth mother and, and wanting to, you know, I was able to manifest that and now kind of wanting to meet my, um, this, this, this man who I'd followed for all these years and able, able, able to meet Joe was so, um, was so great. So, um, yeah. And he's, uh, you know, been able to meet my birth mom, my, my, my mom, my, my whole family. And then, um, I guess something that's significant to quickly, you may not know is that my, I lost my father, um, just over a year ago. And, uh, he, who, my dad, who raised me and, uh, he was, um, we've had a lot of wild things in our lives from a tornado taking our home to being able to survive that, to meeting my birth mother and my, and my birth father and all their family. And then, um, my dad who raised me, um, was, um, was hang gliding and he'd done it over 40 years and he'd hang glided in Hawaii and lookout mountain Mm -hmm. and Tennessee and all over. But he was, um, in the town in which he was born, Chicago, and they believe he was up for an hour, beautiful flight, sunny day, not a windy day for, you know, Chicago, just perfect, perfect wind for flying. And then he'd had a heart attack and, um, they believe, and, um, just the, his glider kind of carried him back to in slow, lazy circles to the ground. And, uh, he was all, yeah, pretty much unscathed, but it, he was already gone by the time he landed. So, but he was 80 turning 81. So we say like, wow, you know, what a way to go. He, you know, went doing what he loved. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of pretty, uh, you know, Joey's like, gosh, you have all these, you know, wild events in your family. I think it was just, it's overwhelming sometimes, but I mean, even though, sometimes there is, um, tragedy. It's yet, you know, I mean, that is tragic that my father died, my dad died, but yet it was like in a beautiful way that he went. So it's, right. uh, and, so, um, sorry. so you must feel like you've learned a lot from, from being married to Dr. Mercola the last 11 years and he's yeah, right. probably kind of influenced your journey and kind of brought you Yes, well, he, he definitely, and I don't, I guess I probably don't say it often enough that it, he was definitely a big influence for having, um, for starting my site. I would help just, it was just because we'd be traveling so much. It was, I just always be helping him with things for his site and, and giving him stories, content submission, and just, you know, it, it just kind of came naturally. And then, yeah, that eventually inspired me like January twenty losing track of years here, 2014, I guess, about the basically, you know, almost six and a half years ago, then to, to just start my own site. And, uh, and I thought because he cared, he did such, you know, a lot of, a lot of serious subject matter and a lot of long form stories that I thought, well, I wanted to do something lighthearted and not quite so serious because just working with him when we would be, we're always traveling together and, uh, it was, or I maybe like would introduce him at an event because I'd be there. And that's how I started with speaking would be kind of like, okay, I'll introduce him, but he never promoted me. And that was, that was kind of like, he didn't believe in nepotism. He doesn't believe in nepotism, whether it's his sister, his mom, or, or me doesn't, he tries not to treat his loved ones as a physician and tries not to promote us kind of to let, you know, your family members um, or loved ones kind of make their own way. Not so, so I just, did it myself. But yeah, I did learn a lot from him. And then I just um, kind of, you know, I guess have a little bit of a knack for, for social media. So I spent too much time on it and I'd, I'd learned a little bit watching them. So when did you find out that you had Lyme disease? Well, I found out before, so 2012, I didn't start the site till 2014. I don't think I could have started the site had I not done the Lyme treatment. I was really, really sick. I think um, take getting the implants out for me just personally made a difference in 2012 and being diagnosed in 2012. Um, but I had two Lyme doctors who have helped me the most. Um, and I think especially those two, you know, the two year, year and a half or, or so before I started health, Net news, health, Net news, I couldn't have started a website and worked had I, um, probably been in the, the shape that I was. And sometimes I take two steps backwards, which I'm very open with my audience working too many hours or just, I mean, it's been since I started the site, it's just been kind of wild with, um, you know, I had, I, I'd done lectures like at my little retreats with 50, 60 people, but this is now we have thousands in an audience and it's, um, it's can be a, a little, uh, overwhelming sometimes, oh, but, sure. um, but so yeah. 
What do you think is the cause for your Lyme? Well, I was in eighth grade and I was on a um, camping trip. I mean, this is kind of the one incident that I can think of. And I, we wore long pants and I think eighth graders were basically kids. We did not, I don't even think if we showered, we just had little cabins and our little counselors and stuff like that. And I think our parents come, came out at the end and picked us up or visited that last, the last evening. But I remember it was still chilly. Um, this was in, so I'm born in Chicago, raised more in Indiana, but this is like Northeast Indiana, kind of by Ohio and Pennsylvania is the number one state, which I've also lived in for people think it's Lyme, Connecticut or Lyme, Connecticut oh, for, right. for Lyme outbreaks. But, but yeah, it was actually, so this would have been kind of near Ohio, Indiana, Ohio border and a little bit in the North and uh, it was still chilly. So, um, in actually probably around this time of year because of eighth grade graduation. So I was, um, up there, we had our long, long pants and they even would make sure we wore long pants because of ticks. I think they, they knew we, we always kind of grew up knowing if you're camping or out there, keep your long pants on. And, uh, you know, if you're out, but I somehow, oh, I got bit and then it was on the back of my leg for like a day and a half. And some camp counselor had to roll my pants up and they tried to take it off, but who knows if they did it correctly. We didn't know anything back then about, but there were already cases diagnosed, um, about saving, the tick or anything, which now if somebody were really bit, um, even their animal, I recommend saving the tick and they can test them. So testing is so readily available now just to test, get the tick tested. Um, but I, and what are they testing the tick for? Um, if it has Lyme to see if you were bitten, um, by a, a tick that would be infected or like something terrible, like the Rocky mountain spotted fever or different, um, you know, you can see if the tick had any kind of any, you know, if there's any tick borne illnesses and then, but we didn't do any of that. And, and unfortunately then I was sick. I mean, it's really after eighth grade. I don't remember the fatigue or the, the, the pain, but of course that's also, you know, puberty. So they just said, Oh, it's just growing pains. You're getting so tall. But honestly, I'd done a lot of growing by the time I was 13. So I don't know that it was, it really, I know it wasn't growing pains now that doesn't, um, yeah. Or the, or the fatigue that I had even, I mean, right. you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be exhausted when you're, you know, 15 or 14, like it, it now in high school, then like, Oh, I'm exhausted. And, and I'm like, I'm, I te I'm only 14. You know, so. Right. Exactly. And do you think now having dealt with it and knowing what you know, that the only way to get Lyme is from a tick? No, I'd say, well, so Dietrich Klingart also treated me in Seattle and at Lee Cowden at that clinic I was saying that I was at where the woman explained, you know, you're going to, it can be a lifelong maintenance and, and, and tech, he's in Texas, kind of outside Dallas. But um, Dietrich Klingart uh, is an MD, PhD, who's treated me for since 2009. So I guess it's a long time when I can get to Seattle, which I was going to go, I was supposed to go, um, I'll go for tune up or go get checked out and was going to visit um, like five months, four months ago, but then we couldn't do that obviously with the, with the pandemic. But, um, I, he, he has talked extensively about the fact that it could, I mean, there could be mosquito, even mosquito transmission. So yeah. And even if somebody, a lot of times with tick bites, you don't have the bullseye rash. I'm sorry with, with tick. Yeah. With tick bites, you don't, or with Lyme, you wouldn't have a bullseye rash or you may not even remember being bitten by a tick, they say. So one doesn't have to remember a specific in incident of, um, of a, of a tick bite or anything to, to have transmitted. I mean, right. there are, and there's all sorts of different feelings on, what ways Lyme could be transmitted. But even I think I say the bottom line, someone's like, well, I don't remember a tick bite. Well, that's a, that doesn't matter. And it's always good to get uh, tested. They, they did in the earlier two thousands before 2012 do an ELISA test because they suspected I had symptoms, but that's a cheap, like the CDC recommended test and is not, it's just, it, it, it just really is. So uh, it's so often a, a false uh, negative. So then I did eventually did the suddenly forgot hygienic. So I did a comp the, there's only really two There's a company out of California or one in Germany. And I just did the California one and did the hygienics test to, to get where then I had a positive and some people can still have a false negative, but I had a positive test and it was a Western blot. Um, and, uh, found out that definitively, you know, that I had, that I had, had Lyme. And, um, so, and some people will test positive and be asymptomatic, you know, like if they're, they may have an incident or 
whatever the case may be, but they, they just might not be, or they may, let's say they got bit by a tick. They got it, tested the tick. They said, oh, you need to get a Lyme test and they could test positive. The tick could, but they don't, people aren't maybe asymptomatic, but I was definitely had your, um, classic, you know, classic symptoms. And I chose, I respect people if they do antibiotics for me, I did more the herbal, uh, route did, um, you know, kind of a detox and did a, did a lot of herbal formulas, which I, it's just, I give away a book that just lists my protocol. But of course I always recommend anybody go find a Lyme literate medical doctor, like an LLMD that they would see if they believe they may have, um, Lyme or they have had a positive test for, for Lyme. Right. And, and that, yeah, that's what I wanted to, wanted you to share. So an LLMD. Yeah. Lyme and, literate medical doctor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And cause I know this is a pretty common issue for a lot of people, this chronic Lyme and it can really be devastating to somebody's health. So some of the telltale signs then can be almost like chronic fatigue type. Yep. Uh, a lot of chronic where you're exhausted yeah. Muscle, deep muscle pain, almost like fibromyalgia like I get some of that and I got a lot of joint pain, especially yeah. if I was, uh, well now it doesn't, if, if, uh, I, if I, like I got, I mean, it, you can still get residual stuff years later, or some people may do like, I'll say a tune up or, you, you know, because I, I thought at first for the first few years, again, that I just was treat, you know, I did the treatment and felt great. And I just thought, then I just go on as life as we know it. But you, for me now, I've learned that I want to kind of, to put it just real, just to tweak things so that I am um, taking, doing my best to take care of myself and keep um, stress levels low and all that, which isn't oh, easy to do, you know, but right. um, I, I totally, totally yeah. relate to you because yeah. being somebody that battled chronic fatigue syndrome yeah. for many yeah. years, like you, you forever have to be in tune with your body and listen. And there are times where you're like, or I know I'm like, all right, I've got to tone it back. I've got to take extra naps. I've got to maybe tone yeah. it down in the gym or take, you know, a couple days off because if I don't, my body will do it for me. Yeah. And yeah. I won't, I won't be able to keep pushing. And it's one of those things that once you have this, you always have to kind of be in tune. Same with, yeah, I would say same with definitely. I think that's very well stated. And uh, yeah. And I admit that I will, uh, you know, kind of work, work, I do well, really work too hard. And, and I'll, I, I have trouble if, especially for lectures or especially for lecturing, because it's, it's easier if you're doing, you know, interviews and things, but lecturing, I'll say, okay, I can do that one. Once I did two cities, like last, was it last year? And in, in, in one day, you know, in different States. And I had to take a plane to go speak at one event. And I was like, I can do both. I can do both. And, and that, you know, it, it's not, it's not fair to do, to put that toll on my body. And I do, and I have had people say, you know, I really thrive on being authentic to my audience, but yet I can't, I'm not my true authentic self. Well, I mean, if I'm, if I'm going to be, um, if I'm not practicing what I preach or just like, it, you know, I, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first. So especially for like moms out there, if they're, um, you know, you, you got to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others or, um, you know, get out there and, and help so the world. Where's your booklet? This, that you have like a book that you put together on Lyme disease and how you healed yourself, right? Yeah. It's called in the limelight. And we're, you know, if somebody downloads it, it's just, yeah, it's just on the front of the, um, on the website and, uh, we've, yeah, we've had it downloaded, I guess over six and a half years. I know it's over a half a million times I'd have to count, but it may be near a million times, which is kind of crazy. So I want to do a few updates, but if anybody downloads it, then they just get a, another email with the updates when we, when we do that, we try to continually, I, I, I try to, it's me, my, myself and I, and then have somebody do the tech part, but update it and get it, just get it out there. And I know some people said, yeah, why didn't you sell it? And I, I don't know. I just felt, and I, not, I think all powered to, to all the people out there that they're selling books or bestsellers. I just kind of felt at the time, like uh, it was just something I wanted to provi provide with people because I knew so many people were sick and it was only, it, it's kind of getting a little bit longer, but it started out pretty short and then uh, grew. So yeah, anybody can download it. And it kind of talks about the journey. And honestly, with this pandemic, I'm, like I said, I'm very transparent. I even went back and was like, all right, I looked up the, I hadn't in a while. Um, and I looked up a couple of the chapters because I was like, okay, 
when I'm under, we're, we were moving in the pandemic and selling a place and the, the deal fell through because the pandemic and I don't blame the people. They don't want to buy a house now because right. of what had happened. And understandably, we are fortunate. I know people that are in worse places are just concerned to keep a roof over their heads. So, but we were moving and, and everybody's story is different, but, um, we're moving. I was, we had just gotten back from, um, Mexico. We came back, like when we left, everything was pretty cool. And just like 10 days later, we came back and that's when everything was beginning. And we saw masks on the way back and we came back in the country. And like, I, I didn't even understand. I'm like, why are all these people from TV shows? I mean, I asked my friend, I'm like, where are all the people from the TV shows, like uh, in their living room broadcasting when you're in Mexico, 10 days, we we're down at this health, this health place. But, and she said, dear, they can't film their shows. I'm like, what? Everything changed quickly. Really? It did. It really? did kind of start within that 10, 11 12 days. So, um, we, and we, yeah, we just moved and then, yeah. So I look back at my own book because I'm like, I think I need to do kind of just maybe cause I know you had, we're talking about the, um, the, the, if you did maybe Chinese, Chinese, Chinese oh, herbs right. or traditional Chinese medicine. So it's similar with the, I use some herbs that some of which would be used in, um, in tr traditional Chinese medicine. So I, I just went back to look and see like, what did I do? Cause I need to do I need to detox after travel, stress, moving, right. and yeah, that. So, and, and I'm sure lots of, for lots of people um, that it, even if they had just maybe like for chronic fatigue, for in instance, now that could be um, compounded just with, with all the stress. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I don't know what the percentage is of Americans that struggle with chronic fatigue syndrome, but you know, a good majority of people are definitely in adrenal fatigue just because oh, yeah. of the lack yeah. of nutrients in our food and living a high stress life. Yeah. You know, people are using coffee as a way to, to push when they should be listening to their body and just with yeah. everything we're exposed to, you know, on a daily basis, people are really struggling with, with adrenal fatigue. So yeah. maybe they don't exactly have Lyme disease, but they could still benefit from the immune system herbs or things like that. So definitely, um, checking out your, your booklet, their limelight would be good. And so with, as far as your explant with your implants, was that something that you decided on because of your, the health issues you were having and you felt like maybe they could be adding to it or like well, what came first really? I, I think that I had, I was trying to remember, it was literally all within that same, this time of year. So it was May that I had at the explant that I think that I got the test, but it was like, I think I'd scheduled the explant beforehand, but we were just trying to rule things out because I had been sick and figure out what could be causing that. And I didn't have any of the physical issues or the um, capsular contraction or anything. I just, I mean, everything seemed physically fine with them, but, um, except some pain from time to time, but just for me being so sensitive and even my surgeon in Atlanta, who'd been doing it a number of years. Um, and just, that's mainly what she did as, as explants, she said, and is near retirement now, but she said, you know, um, she, she actually would sometimes take one, like I had a, a particular brand saline, a saline, you know, mentor saline smooth brand. And right. you'd say, look, maybe if you did this brand or something, it would be better. But no, for me, she said, look, I'm not that I was going to, but she said, you're so sensitive. I would not. Um, even though she believed that sometimes people that, that people could do them or she would work, she, you know, helped a lot of women who did reconstructive surgery. Um, but then sometimes they take them out for maybe breast cancer. But, but for me, she just said, you know, we can just take them out. And she, yeah, she was really an artist, uh, just put me back together again. So I'm, um, I'm very, very, very fortunate. So, yeah. Do you notice a difference in your health from having them out? Did you feel any different or did you, was it more maybe like peace of mind or? Oh, I think I definitely did. No, I think that I had the, um, the, a lot of the common BII or breast implant illness um, right. symptoms as well. I mean, I think it was tied in with the Lyme. And so you wonder like, does, um, it, because Lyme patients may be more sensitive to implants, whereas somebody super healthy could have just would have no problem with them. And, um, you know, I, I fully support if, if that, if, if they don't, or maybe someone's doing, uh, you know, reconstructive surgery. So they have implants and they're, if they're working out for them, that's great. But maybe because of the Lyme, um, or also Ehlers-Danlos. So it's EDS is what it's called. And it's like, um, 
collagen connectivity it makes you very hypermobile, flexible. I mean, the joke, you know, you could be in Cirque du Soleil or something, but you're, but you're really um, extremely sensitive for vaccines and whatnot. So I, I think for me, um, that it just, it, you know, I think you have to go on each, but there, I mean, there are certain symptoms and those would kind of tie in with a little bit with Lyme, although there's two different things. Um, but yeah, just a lot of the fatigue, especially the fatigue. I mean, I think the implants more than anything, I would literally remember a couple times being sitting on my front porch, um, just out with a cat, had a really old cat. She lived to 20 and she would just let her kind of be outside and walking around. And, um, and, I would just kind of zone out, almost forget where I was. And I'm like, wow, this is not, it's like seven o'clock. It's barely getting dark out. And and how do I, I was just that fatigued that I would, um, you know, and this was, so that would have been like 2011 or 10 or 11 probably. And so, yeah, I would just zone out so badly. I like forget, oh yeah, wait, here I am. Where's the cat? Like, so I was, yeah, and that, it really made a difference um, in getting those out. And I think then in addition, what it wasn't just getting them out, but then, kind of detoxing doing the protocol for the um you know because it's heavy metals with yeah. the with the implants even if you have saline because i thought oh saline when i got them way back when i got them, I thought saline's safe you know but um which again for some people they don't have issues but just like i imagine some people can do a full vaccine schedule and they could be okay but for me yeah. um i just was very you know very sensitive, sensitive. yeah, yeah. 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 And sometimes it's hard to know what exactly which one came first, but gotten way better. And yeah, you're, you know, something you always have to be probably conscious of, like you said, but you are uh, in a much better place than you were. So five, six years ago, you started your website that you have now. And that's really when you truly dove into the whole, like journalist kind of role and, and really sharing truth and educating people. Yes, I had prior to that done blogging on different stories, but then it, it just got, yeah, it became uh, very, very serious. And uh, I think because we covered controversial issues, um, like just a few weeks ago, the New York Times, you know, talked about us with, um, in regard to vaccines, and they only they 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 quoted me, but only half the sentence. And I'm like, wait a second, but it was a sentence they found somewhere else. And then that, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's sad when you'll see what I think I've learned so much from doing what I do is just how more than I ever imagined I would learn about just how, how the media works. I guess that's the thing. So the mainstream yeah. media has been, yeah, extremely um, disappointing. And just what I, I just, when you're doing this day in and day out and I do work, a few too many hours. It's been, um, yeah, it's been very interesting to see uh, just just how it, uh, yeah, how it works. And I think with it, I, I love that we don't have, um, we had never taken donations or anything, so we don't have a, we don't really have a board, which is it could be good or bad, but also we we kind of can do what we want. <laughs> so you right. know, and literally, yeah. So tell yeah. everyone, tell everyone what's the difference between you and most. Uh, information sources out there. What's, well, I, what's I, the I, I guess to give an example, we were writing about um, NALID that they were sp uh, spraying, which is also the name brand is Dibrin or Dibrum or Morbid is spelled backwards. So that's the mosquito spraying. So they were spraying thousands of gallons, not just in Florida, but like 50% of the US. So we, I got a call from Gosh, and now it's funny. It's kind of like when you take a call, like you take back, you take a college class, and then you're like, I knew all that back then, but now I don't remember. I feel like it was a county, it was a, it was a county or city official, county official, like for a big count, maybe Orange County in in, in California. I mean, in Florida, not the one in California. And they said, look, you need to change something in this article, like what you said. And I said, why? It's accurate. And they said, this this um, basically government official said, well you know, we just, when I don't even care if the Orlando, I'll say it because I have it in writing. It says when we dealt the Orlando Sentinel, they change it. And I said, well, I'm not the Orlando Sentinel. I am leaving what that's in there. I'm sorry you don't like it, but I'm telling people what's going on and what they're spraying and what the dangers are. And you know, it's true. And this is from a published study and, and you don't want the people to know because um, you're, you know, the, this is a huge County with millions, however many million people in it that they're what you're doing. But yeah, it's so funny. I guess the difference is really the big difference would be, Sarah, is that the mainstream media advertisers are 
pharmaceutical companies or big agriculture, big ag, big agricultural companies, big ag pharma or big telecom. I just interviewed um, Robert F. Kennedy the other day, which I don't interview people very much, but I'm learning how to do that now too. And so I, when I interviewed him, you know, he's talking about the big telecom 5G and who, how that, I guess they own the, I mean, the telecom companies basically own the New York times. And that was, I mean, he said it right on air and that was, uh, and we did a live interview and, and I, I just, I realized that they're kind of controlled as to what they can say they're censored and that they will go out of their way. You'll see now mainstream, um, will say with bigger names than me, but to say, Hey, like, you know, stop such and such. They'll, they'll then contact Facebook or the social media sites and say such and such said this, and then the, the Facebook is like, oh my gosh, well, you've seen this recently with COVID-19 where they'll say, okay, yes, well, they said that we're immediately taking that down. We've removed it or Twitter's removed it, who's supposed to be about freedom of speech, even though putting hoax information up or anything, they're just putting their opinion um, from the scientists they maybe we're, we're interviewing or quoting a different scientist than, than mainstream does, but because we're doing that or other awesome you know, health sites out there or kind of truth or freedom sites, whatever you want to call them, health freedom, that then they are, uh, they're censored and uh, then the social media will take them down. And we have like a warning on our page. And I know Bobby Kennedy said he did, but it'll say like, uh, this page talks about vaccines. And of course, then they, they, they literally um, with us say we are, we will be censoring your reach. So we're, yeah. Oh yeah too with with posts they'll blur over them and so yes. how do you deal with i mean okay so we we are learning here that and i've known this for a long time but i don't want to be the only one saying it and so we know that our media outlets especially you know cbs nbc abc a lot of those news channels are paid for uh you know big pharmaceutical they're paying for advertising so that they then have the ability to say, we don't want certain things put on the news. We don't want you to say certain things. I know Dell Bigtree said he ran into that same issue when he was yeah. a producer on the show, The Doctors. And I think yeah. that was CBS or ABC, one of those. One but of those two, yeah, yeah. How do you guys deal with your information? You know, people saying, well, they're just, they're just wackos or they're just anti-vaxxers or they're just, you know, labeling you something in a way to discredit what you have to say. Like you must deal with that too, right? It is very difficult. Yeah. And like the times did that, or I, I did a lecture, um, for some seems Dell and I will lecture together a lot. And we did one it for just this truth about cancer in Southern California at the end of last year. And, um, I did just 45 minute or an hour lecture on, um, on censorship in, in, uh, with on, you know, online basically, or it could be anywhere, but I guess since mainly censorship online with, and how we are, we are censored, especially social media. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really frightening. I had had the guardian do an article where I kind of broke it down for the audience. And also they had thousands or hundreds of thousands, I guess, watching uh, live that were tuning in that they could tune in for free and watch it live as well. And then they did a replay, but I said, um, like I had the guardian, write me, uh, this gal wrote and said, I'm doing an article on you. And they were saying, you know, you, you attacked a, a doctor that he was a, um, a doctor that believed in the mandatory, you know, the, the basically not forced, whatever you want to call it, mandatory vaccines and, uh, had brought his newborn, um, baby with him kind of attached to him to speak at this event and said he's terrified of the measles but there were um not at truth about cancer but he was speaking in washington state and he was on tv and but yet he brought the infant who couldn't have had the mmr vaccine yet so if he was so terrified why was he with all those people so i had explained that all very nicely in an article and then she said but the thing is i as i always say because no nobody can no one can ever see where we're the like we're linking something. I even will say like, click here if you would like to see the source, you know, because no one, <laughs> otherwise we get letters, we get thousands of emails and it's like, what's the source? Like, where's the source or da da da. So I always say right. click here. So she said, and she said, click here to see the, like the, whatever his story was or whatever. And you know what, or his page or whatever, because we always put a source and she goes, you know what that meant? Go get him. And it was like, <laughs> when I broke it down on this, and this uh, on the stage to these people, like people were just laughing because, yeah, we were. Nope, I can show you uh, 
like 5,000 more articles where I say click here because it's just, I found that people like my, even myself have a little ADD and they'll read so quickly that they don't see where to click. So I, I think in no um, way, shape or form by saying click here is that, oh, but the headline of the article literally, which then was shared on Fox News, Newsweek was that myself and another big health site kind of like Dell's, but not Dell's was that, uh, and I won't name them, but that, that we had attacked this doctor who for mandatory vaccines. And I guess it boiled down to the attack was I said, click here. <laughs> so, and it was just click here. And she goes, but that was to, do you know that what she was saying was click here and go get them? But nope, I never said for anybody to get them. And that is not our style. We, yeah. So, but we do get attacked, but what's interesting in this is, is unprecedented, but I would say what's happening now in May of 2020 is that we literally have had people, some of whom have, you know, I mean, we have kind of like we have tr like straight out mean trolls that will have to ban and, and things like that. And actually the troll, you know, uh, action has cut down because I will still actually look and work with moderators to kind of look through the page. Some people don't, but we will, I mean, some people just don't even look at comments or, or care, but we'll try to go through because people have questions or, and so we've had a few that uh, people that are just kind of negative folks or they're kind of trolls, but we don't really block them. And now those very, trolls, quote unquote, are like, okay, I, I want to learn more. I have questions. Um, I had done a couple articles. I'd written, I guess I looked it up, 147 articles that involved either Bill Gates or the word pandemic. And I had been writing articles starting in 2015, not 14, about, um, you know, a possible pandemic. And it even one was said, would the next pandemic be out of China, you know, so that was years ago. And I think it wasn't that like, I know Joe will say like, oh, she's psychic, but it wasn't so much that as that, you know, not, and I don't think I was psychic, but we have Bill Gates that was, you know, talking endlessly about this pandemic. And nobody seems to be mentioning, of course, in the news, because it's controlled, that he was um, actually stating that it would be a bioweapon, an, engineer, an engineered bioweapon. So I don't know if we're allowed to talk about, yeah, I don't want to get too crazy, but even Newsweek <laughs> just had, yeah, if I'm, if it's too little too quick. I, is, I don't know. Oh, okay. oh. I mean, it's well. great that you that you have thick skin. Clearly, oh yeah, <laughs> you have kept your eye on the prize and saying no, no matter what people you know say or or how they might try to troll me or bash me, I'm going to keep putting out the the truth in this information. And we need sources like this because yeah. clearly, more and more news is getting censored and what people are allowed to share and post and say is not being seen. And so, yeah, yeah. but there's plenty of people out there who want the truth, especially at times like this. I think a lot of what's been going on and I'm hoping this is the case is also opening people's eyes and causing them to question, you know, something doesn't seem right here and they're, they're asking questions and they're doing more research. And I hope that that's something that continues. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that it made mainstream that Fauci had invested millions of our dollars, Dr. Fauci in, um, into what, what Newsweek put on the front title and, you know, of their article into risky, uh, laboratories doing very risky, um, experimentation in Wuhan. I mean, that alone should raise eyebrows. So yeah, thank you. But yeah, it's, I just, I guess I do get a little passionate about the stories, whether it's that or, um, the series I'd written on the holistic doctor deaths of our, our friends who I watched in real time. Yeah. Passing or not be really passing away, but most of them dying suddenly of alleged uh, suicide or, um, you know, established homicide um, or strange accidents. But yeah, so we got over a hundred, but I think that it's, yeah, I just get, I, I'm very passionate about my work, but it can be difficult because um, it's like, I, I think I love the most doing the investigative journalism, but yet then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm running around. I love, I love the, I, I love speaking to, to large audiences and educating them. So it's kind of all over the place, but I'm still learning just like everybody, you know, I'm not the best at, um, even though I'm a Libra sign of the scales, I'm not the best at balancing, um, my, you know, my schedule, but I try and my team, you know, seeks to help me, but I mean, they're, I get it. They're, um, they're still all on full time during a, a pandemic, but we're, but you know, it's everybody's stressed. It's a very, you know, stressful time for, I think, uh, for, for everybody. So we just, um, 
we do our best just to you know, hold it to keep it together. I guess that's yeah, what we're looking for. So share with everybody, what is uh, the your website, just for those that may not know of it? But Sure, of course. Yeah, there may be not, lots that don't. So it's Health Nut News, no spaces or dashes, um, just like you're a health nut and then news at the end. And at the top, I think, of the page is there where I give a, where I give away the uh the book and uh yeah all our articles are free i know a lot of the sites you know are now like they have we don't we don't charge anything i know some even just require an email to read an article we don't do any of that so it's yeah it's pretty straightforward so yeah. awesome and you're on facebook the same uh health nut news it's it, so or? on facebook it's aaron health nut news um and then it, or it's facebook.com well they'll hide it people won't find right. it so hashtag health nut news is the best i'm finally learning this now that to find it or facebook.com forward slash health nut news we got over a million likes and followers on that page and then um instagram is health nut news um and um Twitter, if you just look up Aaron at Health Nut News, or same with YouTube. I think my my handle is actually on YouTube from my old raw foods world, you know, years, but I, I still have that old account. But it, if you just look up, it will show up on YouTube. If you look up um, Aaron at uh, Aaron Elizabeth Health Nut News, yeah, then it shows okay. up. So basically, can, you know, hashtags are good too. Yeah. yeah, I can put the the links in the show notes as well below. Oh, thank but, you. Thanks. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today and taking time out of your busy schedule. And I just want to say thanks for all your work that you're doing out there. And I hope you continue to keep bringing us honest information um, and keep pushing forward with everything. It's it's truly awesome to see what you're doing. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. When I'm talking about personal stuff or when it's medical, I'm like really focused, but personal, I kind of get a little all over, but yeah, hopefully I could help share some information that will help others. And it's an honor to be here. Thank you, Sarah, for having me. I really appreciate it. Wow. What a truly amazing and inspiring story she has. Hopefully you will consider checking her out. You can use her as a alternative kind of information source because a lot of the stuff that she writes about and posts about is being censored in mainstream media. So this is just another way of getting the information that maybe you otherwise wouldn't be seeing or hearing. So um, so glad that she was able to come on and share with us this week her story. I hope you all found it informative and inspiring. And for those people that know somebody suffering with Lyme, or maybe you personally have Lyme, definitely check out her ebook that she has. I know that Lyme is a pretty common issue that people are dealing with these days. It can cause a lot of terrible side effects for people. So hopefully you can use her as a resource in this area. Make sure to join me next week. My special guest is going to be Dr. Don Hungerford, and we are going to be talking about supplements. Should you take them? What supplements should you take if you're going to take them? Do they work? How do they work? We're going to be discussing all of those uh, great topics. So make sure to check us out next week. As always, please take a moment and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with a friend rate us five stars, and we will be talking to you next week. Thanks.